Live, you can hear that. <laughs> well, it is wonderful to see you. I'm glad that we've already started rejoicing. I, uh, I remember, oh goodness, number 1973, we went to Costa Rica to learn Spanish. Uh, I could not speak any Spanish except one word, and that's porque, which means why. And I used it a lot, and they told me, but I didn't know what they're talking about. But my wife, Sandra, she could play Spanish music. She played the piano. Of course, music you just like in Spanish. It is in English. But during the service, uh, I heard the people saying, Hallelujah. I thought, Woo! I know some Spanish. <laughs> then I had an opportunity of taking a group to uh, Brazil, and we were in the worship service, and they were singing along. And they said, Hallelujah. I said, Woo! I know some uh, Brasileiro. I know some Portuguese. And then I had a chance to take a group to, uh, to Romania. And they got there, and they were singing along, and they said, Hallelujah. Woo, I know some uh, uh, Romanian. And I went to a Hungarian church, and they did the same thing. You know, that is universal. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I determined a number of years ago, I was not going to show up in heaven and have to take a, a crash course in praise. Anytime you... <laughs> And, I, and I'm not just talking about it at church. I'm talking about praising God at home, praising God in every situation. Uh, because uh, it doesn't say we can praise God for every situation, but we can praise Him in every situation. So I'm glad to be able to come and worship with you. We had a, a good worship service to begin with this morning. I told a joke to begin with. It'd be a pew. Right over everybody's head. I'm going to try it on you. Pardon? It's too early for them. Probably not smart. Well, let's move on. <laughs> this couple just gotten married. They're on their honeymoon and they're driving along and the young man said, Sweetie, now that we're married, there's several faults that you have I'd like to share with you. She said, You don't have to share them. I already know them. That's why I could not get a better husband. Okay, okay. I share that to, to say that we as the body of Christ, we are the bride of Christ. And I'm glad that God, not even on our honeymoon or any other time in between, spends his time telling us our faults. Now, he points out some things that we ought to do. But most of the time, we find in the scriptures, God is telling his people, claim your inheritance. Claim what is yours. Uh, you are blessed people. Hedy Green will go down in history probably as the world's greatest miser. Maybe you've heard about her. <clears throat> in 1916, she died leaving $100 million in the bank. But she died because she had not been willing to spend enough uh, to warm her oatmeal because it took too much power. Her son, the only son she had, had an infection in her leg, his leg, and because she could not find a free clinic, the leg had to be amputated. She had all of this and refused to use it. I had a lady in the church I pastored in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Sweet, sweet lady. Worked with our children's division. And, and uh, <clears throat> she reached age of 65. And, and she, um, she drew her first check. And she also drew a little uh, uh, retirement check from, from uh, Cannon Mills. And she drew that check and those checks, and she was so worried. She said, Pastor, I, I, didn't, I didn't work this month for this. 
I, and I, I explained to her, you know, you did. You put this aside. This went on and on and on. She just was so worried about it. And finally, I said, let's go. We went up to Cannon Mills, and, and I had the personnel manager sit down and explain to her that she had put her money in there years before and that uh, it was hers. And, and we went to Social Security office, and they told her the same thing. And, but it just kept bothering her and bothering and bothering her. I just, don't, I just don't feel like it's mine. I didn't work for it. I, I just don't feel like it's mine. And we were beginning the January Bible study that year, and it was cold. And, and I got a call and said, you need to come up the street. And she lived up the street. And she had gotten on a stool and then thrown a rope across the top of her cabinets. And she had hanged herself. And I could hear right now saying, but pastor, I just didn't work for it. I just don't believe it's mine. And then I, once in a while, hear of people who read in the paper, their name appears and says, you know, you've got X number of dollars and you need to come and claim them. And, and they, they go and they find out some of them have several thousand dollars. They didn't know it was theirs. So we can, we can have a treasure and, and not want to spend it, not just refuse to use it. Or we can have, we can have a treasure and, and, and just, just don't feel like it's a, you know, it'd be good for Paul and Peter and James, all those guys, but not us. Or we can have a treasure and be ignorant of it. Paul wanted to make sure that the church at Ephesus was not ignorant of their inheritance, of their treasure. So I want you to turn with me to the first chapter of Ephesians. Um, Paul writing this letter. It very well, it was probably an encyclical letter, which means that it's oftentimes it says, uh, would say, to the saints and believers in Laodicea. This was a letter that Paul wrote while he was in prison, and it was passed around to a number of churches because it fit each of them but especially did it fit Ephesians. But we could very well say to the saints and believers in Christ Jesus at Northside Baptist Church because this is just up to date as, as the, the newspaper this morning. And so as he writes this, uh, 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 Paul, I told Will this morning, Paul was a wonderful hymn writer. You know, he, I wonder what hymn he was singing when he and Silas were there in prison and, and, and they sang uh, at midnight hour. Uh, and, and God says, I like that so well, I shook the building. He shook the building down. But, you know, it was there that, you know, I'd, uh, some people say, I'd love to hear Paul preach. I would love to hear him sing. But he probably, this might have been one of the hymns that they sang in the early church. And so you'll see as we, as we start reading this passage, Paul introduces himself as an apostle. Chapter 1, verse 1, apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, what is an apostle? Well, he, uh, he was one of them that was born out of season. But really, the word that's used here is a word like a uh, number of years ago, uh, someone decided that they wanted to open up a McDonald's in, in, uh, in York County. Now, I don't know. Maybe one of you have that franchise. Uh, I guess not. Uh, anyhow, they decided that they wanted to open up a, a, a McDonald's, and so they did. They opened it up and put their arches up, and what they did, they did business in the name of McDonald's. And Paul uses that word. He said, I want you to know, I'm Paul. I'm, I do business in the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Glory be. I do business in the name of the Lord because he said, I want you to know, I'm not saying this, but our Lord is saying this. So he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by, by God's will. But then he goes on to say, to the saints, the, the ones who are called, he said, I'm by God's will, and you are who you are by God's will. Guess what? That leaves none of us any room for bragging, does it? No bragging room there. To the saints 
And the believers in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God. It's always that order, grace and peace, grace and peace, grace and peace. The older I get, I'm so grateful to God for grace and mercy. Mm. Mercy is God withholding from us the rightful damnation we deserve. Then grace is God giving to us what we don't deserve. And Paul, he he talks more about grace and mercy than all the other writers of the New Testament put together. Wonder why? Because he says that that often in one place, I'm the chief of sinners. He knew he had to have God's grace and God's mercy. Same for us. Same for us. My dad used to say, I wasn't saved by grace through faith and I have to make it on my own by uh, main strength and awkwardness. we're saved by grace, and Paul wrote to the church in Colossians, in verse, chapter 2, verse 1, as ye have received Christ, how is that? By grace. So walk ye in him. And so he said grace and peace. But then, starting with verse 3 through 14, is just one sentence. I try, I try to read it out loud once in a while, like I'm going to do in a few minutes. There are no breathing places. Paul, he starts, he just says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavens in Christ. And then, he's, then he, he goes, this is fast. He says, I, I want to tell you what that means. I want to tell you what that means. I want to tell you what that means. He goes on, he talks, and next verse he talks about election, adoption, redemption, forgiveness of sin, wisdom and understanding, unification of all things in Christ, and the seal of the Holy Spirit. He said, I just want you to know, I, I just want to, I want to get it out so quick because I don't want you to miss any of it. But what does he do? There are three stanzas. Stanza, verse 1 through 6. Look at the last part of verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, he sings a chorus after he's done the stanza. Then he comes to the end of stanza 3. Uh, stanza 2, rather. Uh, look at verse 12. Last part of verse 12. Bring praise to his glory. Then... The last part of uh, verse 14, to the praise of his glory. So this is a Trinitarian hymn of praise. It's three stanzas, uh, three verses, three stanzas sung three times, but it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says something in the past has happened. The Father has chosen us that he's planned for us. The present, the Son, has redeemed us. That is, he provided for us. The future, the Holy Spirit has sealed us. So we have been planned for, we've been provided for, and we have been sealed. So let's finish reading the passage, and then we'll get into the bulk of the message. Blessed be the God, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ, for he chose us in him. Before the, when? Before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Before God ever said, let there be light, he already had a plan for you and me. I don't understand that. The Bible says in one passage, if it were not so, I would have told you. 
God, before the foundation of the world, already had planned in our life. In, in, in the Psalm 139, the psalmist talks about, even when I was in my mother's womb, before I was even there, you knew me. He said, you formed me. You formed me in my, my mother's womb. Great day, we can I'm going to have to run it. I'm going to have to chase a little rabbit here because Psalm 139 says, God formed me. He formed me. Here's a, the picture is, here's an artist. He goes into his studio and he takes a piece of canvas and he starts penciling in the drawing. Then he covers it up at the end of the day and he keeps going back and he keeps working on it. Finally, finally, after it's just perfect, just like he wants it, he, he, there comes a day when it's going to be unveiled and people come in and he says, Ta-da! And we look at his, uh, we look at his painting. When you and I were born, we came to this world. God says, "Ta-ta, you're my masterpiece." No wonder, no wonder this man is rejoicing. No wonder we can rejoice. He said, "We are God's masterpiece." Not all of us are alike. Thank God, you say. <laughs> I remember when I first became a director of missions, I was preaching at Catawba Baptist Church in Chubb, Trammell. He said, we're glad to have our director of missions here today. Understand he's got a sense of humor. And he looked around and he said, with a head like that, he better have. <laughs> we're not all alike. We're not all alike. But, but what a wonderful thing is that, that, that we, are, we are created for a purpose. And that is to bring glory to our Lord, to bring glory to our Lord. Before the foul of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, in love he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ for himself according to his favor and will. Uh, as you read through Ephesians, and this is where my study is. I, I've started over the years, I started preaching wherever my devotion type have to be. And I'm working now through Ephesians because you see, I have written it from my Bible. You cannot lead people to the presence of God unless you've just come from the presence of God. And unless the passage has done something to me, it ain't going to do anything for you. But I want to tell you, this, this absolutely puts me on shouting ground. He says, according to his favor. And then again, later on, he calls, says, according to the riches of his grace. Then on down, according to the purpose of the one who called you. According, according. The comparison. Rockefeller, many years ago, used to walk down the streets in New York and uh, he would have a photographer to follow him. And he'd see some little urchins on the street, and he'd give them a dime. And he, they'd make, he'd want his picture made. He gave of his riches. He didn't give according to his riches. If he had given according to his riches, he'd have had a title and be given out a home and a farm to every little kid he came up in contact with. Well, God did not give us of his grace, but according to his riches. And I ask us this morning, how much grace is God got? John chapter 1 verse 24 said, Jesus, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Wow. Goodness. Verse 7. In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, again, according to the riches of his grace. He, we, have, we have that according to his riches, not of his grace, according to his riches that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. 
he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he planned in him for the administration of the days of fulfillment to bring everything together in the Messiah, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him we were also made his inheritance, predestined according to the purpose of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah might bring to the glory of his praise, bring to the praise of his glory, the chorus again. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth and the gospel, the gospel of salvation, and when you believed, heard and believed, heard and believed were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. The Father had planned for us part of our inheritance, part of our treasure. The Father has planned for us. There, there was a blueprint. Uh, there was a point of beginning. The Father planned, planned it. Uh, a little while ago, Camille and, and Ellen, where is Ellen? Right here. They received an inheritance from their mother. And uh, they knew about where the land was, but they didn't know exactly where the land was. And so what they did, they had a surveyor to come in. And he looked around and looked around. First of all, he had to find a point of beginning. Some of you have had your land survey. Maybe you are surveying. You have to have a beginning point. You make no sense out of the property. And so he found the beginning point, and from then on, he was able, he was able to, to decide how much land belonged to each one of them. And so that's in, in the believer's life, the beginning point is God the Father. He's the beginning point. And this thing of election and predestination, what it does, it keeps any of us from bragging. We, we are elect. It's God who takes the initiative. It's God who plans it. Uh, I heard about a man who gave his testimony. and He said, uh, I just want you to know, I did my part and God did his part. He said, my part was I ran like the devil. God's part was he caught me. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not saved this morning because I got on my tiptoes and finally got God's attention. No, it's by grace, by grace. Hmm. God, God Almighty who spoke this word and it all came into existence. He's the one who planned for us. We're going to have to move on. It's almost quarter to 12. I told him I'd be through by 1230. Um, <laughs> little humor there, you say. Very little humor. The Father planned for us. The Son redeemed us. He provided for us. Redemption means the mortgage is paid off. Forgiveness means we've been set free. No guilt. No guilt. Grace. Grace does not carry with it guilt. Grace frees us from guilt. Redemption pays the price in full. 
And as we receive that redemption, as we receive, receive that grace, we are saved. It said again, according to the riches of his grace. Not based on what we can give back. Not based on who, how good we are. I was thinking some time ago, if my righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God, what must my sin look like? None of our righteousness, none of our righteousness. It all is by grace through faith. And then we've been adopted, as Brother Scott shared with us. We, we, we're, we're his, we're his. The Lord made his, he made his last will and testament. And we read part of it this morning. That, when somebody makes a last will and testament, in order for it to be effective, what must happen? The one who made the will has got to die. So Jesus made his last will and testament. He died in order to make that will effective. And now he's at the right hand of the Father as an attorney making sure that the provisions of the will is going to be carried out. Woo, glory. He, he has, he's done it all. He is doing it all. For one purpose, that is we might be unto the praise of his glory. We could spend a lot more time there, a lot more time, but I'm going to close by that we're planned for by the Father, we're provided for by the Son, and then we're pledged by the Holy Spirit. It said we were sealed. We were sealed. It's the idea of the finished document, security and protection, ownership and authenticity, the earnest. The Holy Spirit is the earnest, is our down payment. Earnest money. Anybody know what earnest money is? Yeah, you do. Not, not earnest money, but you forget. If you're, going, if you're going to buy a car, you make a down payment, or you're going to buy a house, you, you put down earnest money, which says you've got to pay people to go check your credit. You, know, something, you have to have money to people to check on your money. Never have understood that. That's what you've got to do. You put so much down, as they say, got to be 5% down, the credit is checked, and they say, okay, you can purchase it. The Holy Spirit, when we're saved, he comes to live in us, and he's the down payment, which says everything else that God promised is going to follow. So the Holy Spirit's come to live in us, and what happens is God's credit is checked. Well, he's AAA, uh, he's 4A, 5A. His credit is checked. He's good for it. So the Holy Spirit is the earnest that's, that when he lives in us, it says, all that God's promise is going to follow. All that God's promise is going to follow. This lady right here, Camille. We've been married. We'll have been married. Uh, you were talking about how busy the 15th of October is going to be. I've got I to throw into that an a anniversary. We will be married. We will be married. How many years, honey? We'll be married six years. She says it's three of the best years of her life. No, no, no. <laughs> but many of you know that my wife passed away in, in 2003. And Brother Larry was with us in, at uh, Lakewood. And, and one day we were at Myrtle Beach, and he and I were, he had gone down to do some, some studying together and planning for the days ahead. And he mentioned a lady by the name of Camille. I, I couldn't get the name. I kept saying, now, what's, <laughs> what's her name again? And then uh, I said, well, you know, he said, yeah, she had been a widow for 22 years. And I said, well, uh, uh, maybe, well, you know, who knows, you know. So anyhow, we, we, we met, and, uh, and um, I uh, started calling because I was still pastoring Lakewood Church. I couldn't take off to St. George every weekend. So I started calling a few times. I'd call every other day, then I'd call every day, then I'd call three times a day. 
And the first month I got my telephone bill, $362. And I said, and Barry works with Comporia. My son, he said, Dad, for $29, you could have gotten unlimited long distance. I, called, I paid the bill at Comporium. I said, you think you can grandfather the last two months? <laughs> no, we can't. No, we can't. But then I, uh, you know, I realized that, uh, that I loved her, and she loved me. And, and I, uh, I went down on my birthday, June the 6th, 2005, and I, uh, I said, Camille, she didn't know I was coming. I said, I, I want to, I love you, and I want you to be my wife. And she, uh, she thought about it a little bit. She had to go ask her mother, ask her two daughters, ask all the in-laws, went to all the neighbors. No, she didn't. <laughs> she, said, she said, yes. And I said, I've got a ring. And so I put that ring on her finger. Well, you see, I knew I couldn't be down there every day for the next several months before we got married. So, see, that ring said, don't bother me because I've been asked for. And so I knew that here a woman had been as good-looking and sweet as she is that had been lived in that area for 22 years. I don't know how many men had their eyes on her. In fact, one told her one time, said, he's still married. said, I thought you were going to wait for me. Anyhow, I said, you know, I said, <laughs> a little slow. <laughs> but, uh, but then, uh, you know, she had, she had my ring, and I could, I could come down and, and we play. But, but wherever she went, it said, uh, she's asked for she will be my bride. And I got to thinking about that as I've been working in Ephesians. We're, we're the bride of Christ. The Holy Spirit is in our life, his life, the engagement ring. And one day, one day in heaven, there's going to be a glorious, glorious wedding. And we're going to be invited we're going to be invited to the banquet table. And Jesus Christ, who is the groom, is going to take us as his bride. And the way that he knows his bride, we got the ring on. The Holy Spirit is living in us. No wonder Paul started out by saying, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, we've been planned for, we've been provided for, We've been pledged. We've been sealed. And no wonder Paul, in writing to the church at Rome, he said, Who can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, because of you we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are barely going to make it. <laughs> no, he says, in all these things we are more than victorious. Through him who loved us, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else. Paul said, he, he listened to everything he could think of and said, anything else will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ, the Messiah, Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, our Lord. And if, 
What does that make you want to say? That make you want to say hallelujah? What, is your, what do you want to say? Hallelujah. 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 What a wonderful, wonderful Savior. What a wonderful Savior. And we can rejoice in him regardless of what happens, regardless of what happens, regardless of the situation. And I do close with this. Back five or six years ago, I was in the hospital. I was having to have a heart catheterization. It was my seventh or eighth. I've had nine of them. But there, I, I was there, you know, ready to be, them to do their procedure. How many of you have ever had a heart cath? Isn't that the most humiliating thing you could ever think of? Here I am laying there like a sumo wrestler because, you know, all you have that little, little cloth. But anyhow, uh, I've been laying there, and, and they got the doctors in ready to do this, the cath, and phew, everybody left except one nurse. I said, well, what's wrong? They said, the man next door is emergency. Well, they worked with him and worked with him about 15 minutes. I kept laying there, and I get a little bit tense. And I said, the nurse, I said, is it all right if I sing? She said, what? I said, can I sing? She said, well, go ahead. So I said, what a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. And just I started singing angels about Somebody burst in the room and said, what's wrong? <laughs> and she said, that man said he wanted to sing. And I told him to go ahead. But you know what? I forgot all about what was going to happen, the catheterization. And I've come to find out over the years when the Lord says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he's God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter to his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth is endures to all generations. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, what a wonderful, wonderful privilege is mine to take these moments to brag on you. You have been such a wonderful Lord, and you will continue to be the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Thank you that you're consistent in your love you're consistent in your grace and in your mercy. So I praise you for the privilege of being able here to be here today with this body of believers, this forever family. Lord, I thank you that, that so many of them here know what it's like to, to have that inheritance and they're claiming it. And perhaps there's some who think, well, maybe it's for Paul or some of the fine Christians, but it's not for me. Lord, I pray that there might be a timid Christian today who becomes bold in their worship and in the relationship of of being one of your children. And then, Father, perhaps to those who, who've never been born again, they don't have this treasure. Uh, they've never heard with understanding. They've never believed, that is, put their faith in, and they've not been sealed. I pray today if there's someone here like that, that the day would be the day they'd say, I want that. I, I'm hungry for that. And your word says, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I pray today that there would be some who might be filled. And then, Father, I pray that maybe there's some who need to be a part of this wonderful fellowship. And so we just uh, commit our uh, decision to you because if this is your time, we praise you again for the privilege.
In Jesus' name, amen.